I'll give you a minute to get there. It's several minutes before we get to that, so you'll have time to be able to get this. But um, tonight, if you don't have a copy of their outline, just raise your hand. We'll go back there and get one. But uh, we're looking at tonight, the uh, title of tonight's lesson is Our Great High Priest. And again, I was planning on Hebrews chapter 7 and 8. We'll do kind of a quick overview of those and try not to get bogged down. But um, I do want to talk about tonight is our privilege to have an access to God, have access to God. Because in the Old Testament, this to have access to God for uh, a sacrifice for sin is you had to go through a priest. You had to have that, you had to have that priest. There had to be a sacrifice for the atonement of your sin, and all of that had to be done. It was very legal. It was a, it it, it was <laughs> really a cut dried thing. About they had a lot of rules about how you did that. So in the Old Testament, and so. And you may be thinking about what does this have to do with prayer? And that is a good question. Um, so let's just look at these bullet points, and I'm just going to read these. And, I, and one bullet point leads to another tonight. So it'll be real simple for us to be able to follow along. But number, the question there says, what is prayer? And simply, I just put down that prayer is communication with God himself. Um, you can get... You can get deep with that. You can pull out like Donald Trump does with a lot of adjectives and, and a lot of stuff in there and talk about how beautiful prayer is, and, I, and it is. But simple, cut and dried, it's, it's just com communication with God. For us to be able to have communication with God, for us to be able to pray, we must gain access to God. So, in the Old Testament, how did they gain access to God? They gained access to God because of the forgiveness of their sin. And they were believers. They were not believers in the same way that we, were, we are believers, but they were, they were still God's people, and they, and they believed in God. It was, it was, even then, it was about faith, but um, they had to be able to have access to God just like we do now in the New Testament, or out, uh, not necessarily New Testament, but uh, the uh, age of grace that we live in right now, we, we have to have access to God. So the next bullet point says, for us to be able to gain access to God, we need to understand that we can only access God through the means of righteousness. So think about that for just a minute. We... We can only have our sin forgiven, we, we can only have this access to God to be able to have our sin forgiven through access to God himself. Now, I know this is all very simple and we're going, I'm, I'm laying this out for a reason, but we've got to be able to be, do this through the means of being righteous. How are we made righteous? And the answer to that is through Jesus Christ. So the short of it is this. That for, it, for a real connection to God, through prayer, we must connect through Jesus Christ. So our connection, our connection point is not, it's not, you know, we, we went over the Lord's Prayer, it's not that we say the right words. Our connection to God and being able to pray is because we're righteous. 
And we're righteous because of Jesus Christ and our faith in Him. But He's the one that is able to be able to give us a connection. The only way for us to be able to connect through Jesus is to put our faith and trust in Jesus. Or uh, to, to God is what I meant to say there. Is through our trust, faith and trust in Jesus. So I want us to be able to look at how we gain access to a holy God tonight through the means of having our sin forgiven and becoming righteous. Now, this is tonight's lesson is about the, well, we're, we're going to look at this here. It's about, about the atonement of our sin or the, the payment of our sin. In the Old Testament, there was a sacrifice once a year. We're going to read about this. So I'm not going to go into detail about it because we're going to read these points in just a second and they're they're in great detail um i got these off if you ever want to look at a really good website you may use this it's just called simply gotquestions.com and it's it's good it's very um uh, it's very uh theologically sound uh, as far as far as that goes and it's got tons of information uh out there and a lot of times when you just type in a google search if you if you ask a question to Google, you can go down through there and 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 it's it's usually down there in that first page is it'll be their website and and they do a good job. So we're going to read some of that. But tonight I want us to be able to first look at number one the Old Testament, the chief priest and the high priest. So there there seems to be some change that happened with the high priest and the chief priest we we read a lot of what was going on in in the new testament with jesus in the gospels that there were there was a high priest and then there were chief priests well from the beginning they they really weren't called a high priest it was it was a chief priest and that first chief priest was aaron um through the levitical line and we'll talk about uh the the levite line here just a little bit but all all um uh, all priests, all chief priests or high priests, they had to be tied back to Aaron. And we're going to look at that. So let's, let's just dive into these questions. Who were they? And when I say they, what, what were there? When I say they and there, and, and th these, were, these are talking about chief priests or high priests. So who were they? Starting with Aaron, they were the inherited line in the family of Jacob, the Levites, to become priests. All priests were not chief priests, but all chief priests were from the lineage of Aaron and were Levites. Um, so they, were, they all had to be within a particular lineage. Uh, was, Moses, was Moses a Levite? Ever thought about that? Why wasn't Moses? That's another lesson for why Moses wasn't a priest. But... Moses was Aaron's brother, right? So they were in the same family. So yeah, the answer to that would be would be yes. Uh, we'll talk about that maybe some other some other time. But all of these chief priests were in the were in the same. They it was an inherited thing, uh, and and usually if the usually if the chief priest if they had sons, then it was inherited to the oldest son. And then something happens to the oldest son, it went to the next. And the only time that that didn't happen is if there was some kind of, uh, if there was some kind of egregious act that happened with a particular child, they, you know, they wouldn't allow them to be able to do that and become a chief priest. Um, 
So that's kind of who they are. Let's, what number two or B there, it says, what were their roles? And they have more roles than this, but tonight I just want to focus on this one. To sacrifice the sacrifice of animals and to operate in the temple and perform other temple duties. One in particular is the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. So does anybody remember what happened, what was going on, who went into the temple in the first chapter of Luke, and he was he was told that uh, he was told that he was to go to go in, and and, he, and something happened while he was in the temple about Jesus being born. Does anybody remember that? Terry, you remember that? <laughs> Come on, somebody help me. You remember that? You remember there was, there was a priest. So so. That was one of the role. That was one of the things that uh, that they were to do is to be able to go in, and they were serve these priests. Even though they weren't chief priests, they were to go in, and they and they took this by rotation. So the priests would go in, and they would burn incense, and they would they would set up the the tables and the showbread, and they they did every, all that. That was part of what their jobs were, and that was kind of done in rotation. Uh, the chief priest or the high priest was the one that made, when we get to Jesus' time in the Gospels, he was the one that made, the, the high priest was the one that made the sacrifice for the nation of Israel. But first, he had to make a sacrifice for himself. So he had to have a, they had to sacrifice a bull. That was the one, we'll see that. He had to sacrifice a bull, and, and it, he, had to, he had to go through this whole sin of atonement for himself first. Why did he have to do that first? He had to have access with God. So his sin first had to be atoned before he could, uh, he could make a sacrifice to atone for the sin of Israel. You see, that access had to come because of the sacrifice. And that, that sacrifice that was made on that day of atonement was done for that particular reason. Um, now, let's look at what the day of atonement, what was the day of atonement? Uh, this is just some stuff I copied, pasted, and took out some stuff, added a couple of things, but hopefully it's not going to be as grammatic, grammatically incorrect as my notes. Hopefully it'll be a little bit better. But we're going to just read down, down through each three of these, these bullets real quick. Number one there, the most solemn holy day of all the Israelite feasts and festivals occurred once a year on the tenth day of Tishri, the seventh month, of the Hebrew calendar. And on that day, the high priest was to perform elaborate rituals to atone for the sins of the people described in Leviticus 16, 1 through 34. The atonement ritual began with Aaron or successive high priest of Israel coming into the Holy of Holies. So they had the, they had the tabernacle, they had the, they had the Ark of the Covenant that was in, that was, in, in this room that, that was built just for the Ark of the Covenant. And the only person that could go in here, in, into this part of the temple, was the high priest or the chief priest. He was the only one. He was the only one. And he had to be, he had to be pure when he went in there. <laughs> always, this is disturbing, really, but it's always interesting to me that, that it had happened before, apparently, between the time of the chief priest offering a sacrifice and he sinned prior to sinning and going in and 
and and uh, sprinkling the blood on on the altar uh, or on the on the ark there in that room in the holy of holies, uh, they would tie something to their leg. <laughs> you remember what they tied? They tied a rope to the leg of the priest, and he would go in. He would go in there, and, the, and that rope had bells on. And as long as old boy was walking around and you could hear the ringing of the bells, everything was good. But if, if the bells stopped ringing, <laughs> you knew something was wrong. And what was wrong is they would just die. They would die because they accessed the Holy of Holies without being pure. Now that's how serious God is about sin. We, we kind of scoff at it. Well, it's just, you know, it's just sin. But one thing, we don't understand what the severity of sin is. And number two, we don't understand what a blessing it has that we have to be able to have our sins forgiven forever through Jesus Christ. Before entering the tabernacle, Aaron was to bathe and put on special garments and then sacrifice a bull for a sin offering for himself and his family. The blood of the bull was to be sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant then Aaron was to bring two goats, one to be sacrificed because of the uncleanliness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sins have been, and its blood was sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant. The other goat was used as a scapegoat. You ever heard that name, scapegoat? So there were two. One of them was sacrificed. The other one was used as a scapegoat. Aaron placed his hands on its head and confessed over, to the rebe- or over it the rebellion and wickedness of the Israelites, and sent the goat out with an appointed man who released it into the wilderness. The goat uh, carried on itself all the sins of the people which were forgiven for another year. Now, that, that goat was identified out in the wilderness, and you can, you can imagine if you're out in, in the wilderness how people would run from, <laughs> from, from that from that goat that had the sin of, of Israel. I mean, that would be one of those things where I would, you know, stay away. It was, it was one of those kind of type things. But, uh, and, I've, and I've read other things that they would, turn, they, they would turn that goat loose in a particular area where he would run off a cliff and, and die, you know, and plumb, you know, just fall off and, and die off the edge of that cliff because it, it was so serious for that, that goat that, had, that was carrying the sin, the scapegoat that was carrying the sin of Israel that way. Interesting. The symbolic significance of the ritual, uh, particularly to Christians, is seen first in the washing and cleansing of the high priest, the man who released the goat, and the man who took the sacrificed animals outside the camp to burn uh, carcasses. Israelite washing ceremonies were required often throughout the Old Testament and symbolized the need for mankind to be cleansed of sin. But it wasn't until Jesus came to make the once-for-all sacrifice that the, that the need for cleansing ceremonies ceased. Have you ever heard that once-for-all? <laughs> I used that Sunday when I was looking at this. I, I was like, I used that Sunday, that once-for-all. I used part of the scripture that, that was for that. But the once-for-all means there was one sacrifice and that was it. There was one sacrifice for Jesus and then there was no more. You see, the Day of Atonement was every year. They had to keep doing this every year. Year in, year out, they had to do this. The blood of the bulls and the goats could only atone for sins if the ritual was continually done year after year. 
while Christ's sacrifice was sufficient for all the sins of all who would ever believe in him. And when his sacrifice was made, he declared, it is finished. In John 19.30, he then sat down at the right hand of God, and no further sacrifice was ever needed. Amen. It's awesome. The next one, how did they fail? The chief priest and all the priests failed in that they were not righteous. You see, they had the problem because they were sinners. They were naturally born, just like we were naturally born, and they were sinners, and they failed continually every day, which is the reason, again, why they had to have a sacrifice before they ever performed the sacrifice for Israel. They had to have their sins atoned for prior to that. So the chief priest and all the priests failed in that they were not righteous. They had to perform sacrifices for themselves and their families as well. Now that's the biggest part of the outline. That's number, number one. We're talking about the Old Testament chief priest and high priest. Number two, the New Testament high priest. And we're looking at Hebrews chapter 7 and 8. And we're going to look at the end of chapter 6 in verse 19. But I want to answer these questions first. Who was the high priest? Or maybe, maybe you can help me answer who the high priest was. Who is the high priest now? Jesus Christ is, is our high priest, right? It's what we're going to be looking at in Hebrews tonight. He's our high priest. What was his role? Or what is his role? In relation to sacrifice, what was his role? Die on a cross. Absolutely. That, yeah, it gives us access. There's a lot of stuff that there's a lot of stuff that happened here with this sacrifice. Because there to begin with, it had to be a it had to be a perfect sacrifice right i mean when they would bring they it was the best when in the old testament it had to be the best you had and the ones that these poor things that had to be sacrificed these two goats that you know that had to be sacrificed for the sin of it i mean you better believe there was some scrutiny over what those things looked like and made sure that they were because they had to be they had to be perfect well they were never as perfect as they should have been. How do we know that? Because the very next year they had to do the same thing again. It had to be done over and over. So Jesus was perfect without sin. So when he was sacrificed, it was the perfect sacrifice, the most perfect sacrifice ever. But now uh, his role was his role's not only uh, not only to be sacrificed or to be to die on a cross. But to give us access, there's tons of others. What's, what's some other roles that Jesus has now? And we talked about one already. He's, he's our high priest. He, he's, the, he's the high priest. And this will make sense in just a minute when we start reading this. What was the New Testament Day of Atonement? Ashley, you, I mean, same thing. You can go ahead and say the same thing again, right? That was, that was the day that Jesus died and was put on the cross. For us, that, that, was, that was what it was. 
And it still is. How did he not fail? How so? He was, it was once for all. He was perfect. Didn't have to do it every year because. Yeah. Tonight we have the privilege of being able to, and how how this has has to do with prayer is we can't even lift prayer. We we can't even really pray and have a real connection with God. And I'm not saying that you can't walk outside that a person out there can't go and they yeah they can voice a prayer, but are they going to have a connection to God without access to God? You got to have access to God. To have a connection with God. So, without, un, unless they performed a, you know, an old, and that's been done away with, but unless, unless they have, there was some kind of sacrifice, they don't have access and they don't have a connection. So, he, he did not fail. Matter of fact, he, he, he passed in, in everything that he did. So, let's look. I, I want us to be able to look at with what time we have left at Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 the writer of Hebrews has never has never mentioned who it is and it's never mentioned that that it was a letter to a church or anything I have my personal beliefs that I I believe it was a sermon uh, and the notes were written down I, I believe that's what it was and I believe it could have been Paul. There's some people that believe it's Paul that's the writer of Hebrews. And there's some that believe it's not because it's, it doesn't follow along his writings to, and letters to the, to the church. And again, it's not a letter to the church. It's, it's, uh, it's a little different. But I, I, that's beside the point. But we don't know who the writer is exactly. But we do know that they knew exactly what they were talking about. So let's start with verse 19. says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. What does that, what does that tell you? That there is, it is ironclad. That's what the writer is telling you. You can count on this. And which it enters the presence behind the veil. Now what was behind the veil was the Holy of Holies. That's where, that's where God himself, that's where the presence of God was. So what he's saying is, is what, what we're about to tell you, and what I'm about to tell you is that you are able to enter into the Holy of Holies through the access behind the symbolic veil that, that I'm about to show you here. And verse 20 says, Where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become, what? High priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, Terry, you want to tackle that one? Who, who, I'm just kidding. I won't do that to you. Um, Terry says Old Testament. I, I know he's Old Testament. Uh, we're, we're about to read. But Melchizedek was a, uh, he was, he, 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 was, he was a different individual here that we've got that, that is still kind of a mystery as far as looking back, because he was considered a high priest 
when? He was considered a high priest of the Most High. In other words, he was the high priest of the real God of Abraham. He was the high priest of who we know as the great I Am. He, he, was, he's, he was that high priest. But when was he the high priest? Before who? Before Aaron. So how is that even possible? Because here you've got, here you've got a high, you don't even have a Levitical system, you don't have the law, you don't have, you don't have anything. But here you've got a high priest. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of things about this high priest. They, you, you know what a tithe is, don't you? you know, a tithe is a tent. <laughs> Go ahead and tell them what a tithe is. <laughs> Brother Sammy says, go ahead and preach the rest of, rest of tonight on tithing. Uh, a tithe is a tenth, is what in the Old Testament was a tenth. It's more now, but it was, in the Old Testament, it was a tenth. Is that good, right? Uh, so, it was a tenth. Abraham gave, guess how much? And he did, this was not ever mentioned before, not ever mentioned again until, until it was mentioned about how much the Hebrews were supposed to tithe and it was 10%, Abraham tied 10% to this priest, and this, this priest, Melchizedek, blessed him for, for being, and, and it was really, uh, they were in the middle of this war, they, was in, they were in the middle of this battle, and, he preached, the priest, and he, the priest was blessing him, and he, and he won, and it was kind of a celebration, and it was kind of a worship service altogether to this high priest for God himself, and most people think that it is a pre-incarnate, person of jesus christ and i i believe that too brother sam is shaking his head he's with me so it says that here even jesus having become high priest forever according to the order of melchizedek in other words he was a high priest in the order of melchizedek meaning not guess what of a natural body you see the other high priests were what born they were all born. They, they, all, they were all just like us. They were with sin. But Melchizedek says that he was the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. I'm never going to finish if I don't hurry. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, and that's an interesting word too, and we can get into that at some point. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings blessed him to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part a uh, part of all first being translated king of what <laughs> king he was the king of righteousness now is Jesus our king of righteousness absolutely and then also king of Salem meaning king of peace is that not awesome without what without a father or a mother without genealogy having neither beginning of days nor the end of life but made like the son of god remains a priest continually wow an old testament even prior to Moses and the law, an Old Testament person that symbolized Jesus Christ, which actually was a pre-incarnate Jesus himself. He was Christ himself. This is who this was. Abraham met Jesus. 
<laughs> Think about that. But, he, you know, he was called Melchizedek then. Verse 4. Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils, and indeed those who are the sons of Levi who received the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. What that is saying there is the Levites are physical beings. They, they are not God. They're not divine. They're, they're just, like, just like us. They're, they were born with sin in their life. And, and they, they lived with sin in their life. And they had to go, they had to, get a, they had to get a sacrifice for sin year in, year out. Verse 6 says, But he whose genealogy is not derived from the received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had promises. And that's deep too, but we don't have time to get into it. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here the mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he, uh, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. You see, Le Levi had not even been born yet. Therefore, and I love this part. This is maybe my favorite, maybe my favorite part in the whole book of Hebrews. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the father or to the order of Aaron. In other words, it had to be some it had to be it had to be Melchizedek himself or it had to be it had to be God himself to be called not in the order of the Levites or Aaron. In other words, not to be flesh and blood. It couldn't be that. Because it says therefore if perfection could have happened but with the Levitical system, there wouldn't have been a need for Jesus to come to begin with. You ever thought about that? Now let, let me tell you why this fires me up. Because I, I lived a whole long part of my life thinking, uh, thinking that you could lose your salvation. In other words, if you can lose your salvation, you don't have eternal salvation. You don't have it's salvation that, that's... That's, that's always, once saved, always saved. You don't have that it, if, this is, if this is your belief. Uh, you, if, if you think you can lose your salvation, was it permanent? It was not. It was temporary. So, they already had temporary salvation through this Levitical system of sacrifice for sin, right? Are y'all with me? Now, some of you're looking at so, so they already had temporary salvation basically through this Levitical system, right? So, what need there would there be for Jesus to come, be sacrificed on the cross, and rise again, and be who He is now as our High Priest if you're not saved forever? You see, we already had temporary salvation. What Jesus offers is permanent, eternal salvation that's where we as a southern baptist understand that we that once saved always saved if that's what you want to call it 
or the eternal security of the believer, if you want to call it that. In other words, if you're truly, genuinely saved, you can't be lost. You can't ever get lost. You won't lose your salvation. That's, <laughs> that is awesome. That's awesome. And you can look at this and you can see, and the writer of this is saying, therefore the perfection, if, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, what good, why do you need a Savior to come to begin with? You, you see what he's saying? Verse 12 says, For the priesthood being changed of necessity there is also a change of the law, for he whom, whom these things are spoken belongs to a, another tribe, from which no man has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood. And what that is talking about, some people might question, well, he's from the, he's from the tribe of Judah. He wasn't a Levite. So is he, is he a, how can he be a priest? And the writer here says he is a priest, but he's not in the priest in the way that Levi was a priest. He's not a priest in the way that Aaron was a priest. Who is he a priest in the order of? Melchizedek. Before any of that ever started. You see, the writer of Hebrews is saying, this high priest has been a high priest for even way before that. And verse 15 says, And it, and it is uh, yet far more evident, in the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who has come, not according to the law of a fleshly command, but according to the power of an endless life. For he testifies, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. For on one hand, there is an, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing of a better hope through which we draw near to God. That is... That is what that verse is saying there is that's, that's your Old Testament Levitical system coming in and meeting with, with what Jesus did on the cross. And he's saying, again, kind of in, in, in another way of, of saying it, the old system was temporary, the new system's permanent. Verse 20, Now inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by whom said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not relent, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, <laughs> this is that, by so much more Jesus has become a, a surety of a better covenant. It says this, this old covenant that we had, this Levitical system that we had, what Jesus has brought is so much more because that was a temporary system, and what Jesus has brought is a permanent system. Verse 23. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. <laughs> the old boys at the bell stopped ringing. But he, because uh, he continues forever, has an unchangeable uh, priesthood. Therefore, he, being Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost. I saved this on my Bible reading this morning. I, it just so happened to be in my daily Bible reading that I do on my, on my app every morning. It was this verse. Therefore, he is also able to save to the othermost those who come to God through him, through Jesus Christ, since he, Jesus Christ, always lives to make intercession for them. 
What happened with the old priest? They died. They are no longer here. They either died when the rope stopped, when the bell stopped ringing, or they died uh, of old age, or they died of getting run over by a, a, a runaway sacrificial goat, or what, whatever it was that they, they died. They're no longer here. And he says, Jesus Christ is the high priest that lives forever and ever. And he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and who has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer, offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's, for, he, for this he did once for all, when he offered up himself. For law appoints as high priest men who have weaknesses. But the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son. And if you read in that in, in New King James Version, that son is, is what? Capitalized. It's talking about Jesus. Who has been perfected forever. Verse 1 of chapter 8. We'll finish real quick. Try to. Now this is the main point of the things. He, he said all that and he said, now this is the main point. This is what we're saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one, talking about Jesus, also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and the shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed uh, when he was about to make, make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown uh, on you on the mountain, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also the mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. So all that right there, all of that is said, and it's said to, when, when, he, when, he, when he says, the run writer says that instructions were given to Moses. It was given to Moses to be able to make the tabernacle, about what all you can go in, back in the Old Testament, you can read it was very detailed about what they what they had to do. But it was all a pattern, and there were symbolic. It was the the reasoning behind all of it was because it was supposed to match what's going on in heaven. Did you know that now that there's a temple in heaven, and the temple that was built on earth was was built, and it, not necessarily to match, but it was supposed to symbolize, and it was it's a very similar look uh, as far as what we can get our earthly minds around about what it looks like but the one in heaven is so much different it's so much better but it's supposed to it's supposed to kind of be the same you can't have heavenly temple and earthly and kind of get those together it just won't work but it was it was there were given instructions to moses about how to set all that up verse seven for if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. What does that say again? The first covenant was what? 
the law. Again, for if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have sought for a second. There wouldn't have been any reason for Jesus Christ to come if that first, way, if that first covenant could have done it. It was temporary. Verse 8, because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by, by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. In other words, the, the laws are not written on paper. The laws are not written on stones. The laws are written where? Right here. It's in our heart. It's in our minds. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none of his brothers saying, Know the Lord and, and uh, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, for I will be merciful uh, to their unrighteousness and, and their sins and their laws and deeds, and I will remember no more. That's basically saying that you don't have to have a priest to be able to teach you. Guess what? You can grab the Word of God, and you can put that in your heart and in your mind. You know why it's important for you to be able to memorize Scripture? Because you've got it in your heart and you've got it in your mind. You know why it's important for you to read your Bible daily? And the memory, and it's, it's because you get it in your heart and you get it in your mind. It's exactly what, what the writer is saying. In verse 13, we'll end here. In that, he says, a new covenant he has made the first obsolete. Now, what is becoming obsolete is growing old and is ready to vanish away. Amen. That is, <laughs> that is fantastic. I, I just, let's just read down through verse 5 of 9. Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances, divine service, and the earthly sanctuary for a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which it was a lampstand, the table, the showbread, which is called the sanctuary, and behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid with sides of gold, which were, which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod, that had budded, and the tablets of the covenant, and above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Mercy seat. Of these things we cannot speak in detail. And you can, you can go on, and it starts talking about the heavenly sanctuary and the earthly sanctuary and how those things correlate. And it's, really, it's just really good stuff, but it comes down to this. It comes down to... There was, there, was an old te there, was an, there was an old sacrificial system that is no longer there anymore. And the reason it's no longer there is because it was temporary in the first place. And when you come to faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you, you, you become a true, genuine believer. You don't have to worry about sacrifice. Now, I explained it this way one time, that if... If Jesus does not save to the uttermost, if He does not save forever, the only thing that Jesus did by coming was stop the killing of animals. That's it. If you think about it. What, well, if, if, he, if, his, if His system, if Jesus' system that he, that he brought to us 
with death on the cross was not permanent. The only thing that changed was that we just don't sacrifice animals anymore. That's pretty clear to me, anyway. Brother Samuel.